You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Essential Apple. And we're recording a little bit out of sequence this week because we have a special guest. Uh, With me today we have Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices. So we're recording uh, not on a Sunday, but on uh, the Thursday afternoon, because Chuck is a very busy man, so we took a slot he could uh, spare for us. But uh, never mind. Nick is here as well. So hello, Nick. Hello, Chuck. Hiya. (laughs) Hello. Thank you for having me, guys. Not a problem, Chuck. Um, As we were saying before the show, it's a bit of a surprise we haven't crossed paths before, because... Obviously, you mix with the likes of Kelly and Guy and Bart and various other people who, uh, you know, frequent this show as well. But uh, somehow the stars have never aligned. But never mind, you're here now. So that's that's excellent. Now, just, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys are associated with Guy? No, yeah. Cancel the show. Cancel the show. <laughs> cancel the show. <laughs> cancel the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hello, Guy. Nice to... Yeah, we love Guy. You, Guy. We love Guy. Guy's, Guy's brilliant. We love the, the, the My Mac show. And um, obviously, uh, as I was kind of referencing, he uh, appears on your show quite a lot, especially on Mac Voices, uh, Mac Voices Live, which is your... Um, yes. Tuesday evening live cast. Um, I don't listen to it live because it's about 3 a.m. in the morning here, which is <laughs> why I've never actually said to you, oh, can I come on? If I did, I'd have to make a special plan, I think, sleep all afternoon and then stay up to the middle of the night to come on the show. I might do it one time. I'm not working at the minute, so, I'm, you know, that could be done. That could be done. But um, the last uh, set of Mac Voices Live, you titled Browser Wars, which was, uh, you know, a very interesting uh, set of, well, we split it into three because with Mac Voices Live, it usually runs way, way longer than you plan. But that's, uh, that's the nature of the beast, isn't it, Chuck? It, it is. The live shows are fun. You know, it's one of the one of the problems with doing live shows is, like you said, that for different parts of the world, it's just at times that don't work for folks. But at the same time, I've learned about the appeal of live shows and having the chat room. And so, yeah, you try to serve both masters. You try to do a live show that suits your schedule and the schedule of most of the people you'd like to have on and then release the recorded version, you know, so that people that just couldn't possibly listen to it get a chance to to benefit from it as well. Yeah, it's excellent. I, you know, I do like I had like the um, I have really liked the uh, the Mac Voices Live. I really have enjoyed that. I think it's great. And, you know. I think you're brave sometimes to have quite as many guests as you do. <laughs> it's like you know, you need a you need a whip, a ringmaster's hat, and a whip occasionally. I think. <laughs> order, order. <laughs> yeah, there are there are times, but on the other hand, I I like the fact that 
you know, because if it, I mean, it was two, three, even four, you kind of get a limited set of opinions, but you start getting that many people and it's, and it feels also a lot more like, you know, going down to the corner bar or corner restaurant and meeting a bunch of your friends and just those, those conversations happen kind of, happen kind of organically. So you just never know who's going to come up with what opinion on what topic that is going to spark even more discussion. No, definitely. Definitely. That's, you know, that's, that's what makes it, you know, that's what it makes it a sparky show, I suppose, and a bit different from, you know, the normal round table because, uh, <laughs> yeah, unscripted and could go anywhere. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Hence the fact you have um, the subscriber version, don't you? Uh, Mac Voices After Dark for the bits that can't make it to the... <laughs> Can't make it to the show. <laughs> yeah, you know, Mac Voices After Dark started as almost a joke um, because of, of uh, well, I, I, I do my best not to need to edit. I mean, you know, occasionally somebody will drop a, a word they shouldn't, and I'll just cut cut it, the audio out and, and leave that part in. So I can, I can honestly say that what you get with Mac Voices After Dark isn't a piece of the show that um, – you you couldn't potentially hear live. What you do get, though, is what the conversations before the show starts and after the show ends. And sometimes those can get, well, first of all, they can get a little spicy at times because, you know, there's no editing or, or restrictions there. But you also get some really interesting off-the-wall conversations. May have nothing to do with tech, but they're they're always always fun and interesting. So yeah, it's again that was sort of a joke, and we didn't want to put because of the of the Mac Voices brand. I didn't want to put it out as um, not safe for work or whatever. So we we just put it as a benefit to our Patre Patreon supporters. Um, you know that way it, it's not a lot to pay if you really want it. Um, but it's there and you can enjoy it and, and benefit from it if you decide to. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's, you know, I, I think, think some of our, uh, I think some of our after show stuff can sometimes be more interesting than the, <laughs> than the main part of the show. <laughs> Just depends how it goes, doesn't it? Occasionally. Um, I mean, I did have one called the pre-show is the after show or something because, uh, we had a long conversation for about an hour before we actually started recording and then. We did the news, and then when I listened to it back, it's like, wow, there's some interesting stuff in this first sort of 45 minutes. I think we'll, I'll well, splice when, that on I think when I think when you do a news show, uh, uh, it's sometimes you don't want to be restricted by the news. I mean, it's a silly thing to say, but well, sometimes no, you just want to be able to say, you just want to be able yeah, oh, I've got something on my mind, and I'll just mention it now, and we'll have a chat about it. Well, definitely, yeah. definitely. I mean, I know we kind of use the news as a, a prop to hang the show on but i mean there's plenty of times when we've just gone off at a complete tangent and um <laughs> yeah we're quite good at that well we are you know i mean we had to, i can't remember i might have been when we had guy on but um i remember one time we had a show and we got to the end and it's like well i don't think we covered anything in the notes at all but uh, <laughs> and we had know, a... that's podcasting and that's what, that's i think that's what makes it fun um i don't think any of us pretend to be serious journalists uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for the folks that do that because they have an, a bit more of an obligation to stick, well, deliver some facts and then maybe some analysis. But we can throw in analysis, opinions, or just what we had for dinner last night if if we think it's relevant, and yes. you know it works. So. Yeah, definitely. That is part of the magic of, of podcasting. I really think so. I mean, I mean, I remember one of the uh, one of the shows we did was the one when um, 
when we had Jeff on, and um, it, it it started out um, in the in the pre-show we were talking. Then it turned out that um, Nick is a church organist, and then it turned out that Jeff's mother was also a church organist, and so we ended up recording. I don't know fifty minutes of um, conversation about jazz and music and church organs and electric pianos, <laughs> all and sorts of stuff, all yeah. sorts of stuff. And I, I actually had to split that again. I split that into two and and. I did one which was called um, A Musical Interlude with Jeff Gamut. And then um, the second half I put out saying, may contain apple. (laughs) 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 We did actually finally manage to talk a bit about apple, but uh, there you go. But that was fun. And it it was well received. People liked it. People liked it. Didn't You know, just something different. So there you go. Um, Well, as uh, as I said to you boys before the show, uh, I've got no notes for this at all because... um, we only recorded last Sunday, but I particularly wanted to talk to some extent about the subject that your last Mac Voices was about, which was the browser wars and particularly the kind of add-on um, segment because there were some really interesting things that came out of that. Um, but of course, like always, there's parts of the show when you're shouting at your phone, why hasn't anybody mentioned this? <laughs> <laughs> really? Where where are you people? So, uh, you know... Um, I thought we could kick off a bit with that. So um, there was quite a lot of discussion about different browsers. Um, I have to say I'm a Safari man pretty much through and through. Um, I do. I I run the Safari technology preview, which is the purple version of Safari, which is in effect a beta, I guess. Um, But that's me. I live out on the bleeding edge. Um, And I know a lot of people don't like safari for a variety of reasons but i've always found it to be um excellent so that's that's my first choice i usually have a couple of um i usually have a couple of backup browsers on hand for a while i used clicks which was um kind of a sister company of, of ghostery um that that didn't last very long unfortunately that um i don't think it got enough traction so they decided to drop development of that and move into something else um I think Ghostry do their own browser as well, which I believe might be a fork of Firefox, although I've I've never actually used that bizarrely. But um I tend to have Firefox as a fallback and uh Vivaldi is also uh, a good choice. Somebody did mention that on your show though, Chuck, but it didn't get much more than that a mention. Um when yeah, when when browse when I when I talk about browser wars, I mean obviously there's a little clickbaity thing there. You yeah, know, of course it, it, it was meant. But you also knew that with with the number of panelists, there were going to be a lot of different thoughts on on them. And so you know it, it's it's fun, and of course it's all in, it's absolutely all in good fun. Um, but I you know sometimes you, honestly I I had forgotten about Vivaldi. Uh, there there's so many different browsers out there that occupy such little niche spaces. Honestly, one of the ones that came up that I've I've looked at, I haven't had a chance to play with since the show, um, was iCab. And I think I knew about that way, way back, but I didn't realize it was still in development. No, um, you I... Know, I think we all get focused on the, the top two, three, maybe four. Um, but yeah, there, there's Brave and there's Opera and... Well, you know, you just mentioned one. I had never heard of Clicks. That that's that was brand new right now. I yeah. didn't even know that Ghostery that, had made a, a browser. Well, there's a Ghostery browser, and they had um, they formed an alliance with a separate company called Clicks, and they did a Clicks browser, which was you know built around privacy in the same 
but I don't think he got a lot of traction. And uh, I think they decided that, that, you know, they're developing two browsers at the same time and competing with Brave. And um, there's another one whose name escapes me, who, uh, who you know, who focus on the privacy aspect. I mean, DuckDuckGo make a browser. Um, DuckDuckGo. Yeah. So there are a lot out there. I, ICAB, as you say, I remember that from, well, back in the classic days. Um, and I used it for a while because um, they continued to support non-Intel Macs and even um, like System 8, I think, for a long time. They were um, very popular with people on older hardware because they, a bit like um, Firefox 10.4, um, if you're familiar with that, when um, when Apple made a load of changes to... Um, well, from 10.5 going forward, um, and it left behind a lot of machines that were stuck on 10.4. And the Firefox 10.4 project um, continued to develop a fork of Firefox for older machines that were running on... um, on the power on the power series chips um and that was big for a long time until you know power power max were really quite old um as far as i know it may still be going i mean i've had no use for it in years but it was very popular for a long time for people with older machines um so there's there's a huge choice in browsers and i i thought it was good i mean there was a lot of concentration on chrome and i agree i don't I don't use Chrome because I don't like being tracked very much. <laughs> and uh, as a lot of po- people pointed out, you know, all the, there's a lot of anti-tracking things you can install, even in Chrome. But Chrome itself is still tracking a lot of the things you do uh, directly, uh, which is why, you know, in my opinion, if you want a if you want a Chromium-based browser, fine, go get a Chromium-based browser, but don't get Chrome itself. I must admit, I was quite surprised, having listened to the three shows, I was quite surprised by the different perspectives. I mean, effectively, they're all the same thing, aren't they? They're, they're, for most people, they are the internet. <laughs> and uh, I was quite surprised how many different aspects there are. People are taking different positions, different, um, you know, it might be security that's their thing, or it might be speed that's their thing, where they want to get it as fast as possible and lean and, and perhaps not doing as much as some of the other browsers. Um, I, I'm just fascinating. There's so many. I mean, like Simon, I tend to use uh, Safari most of the time. And in fact, I, I think it's fair to say I mostly browse the Internet on my iPad, not on, on my computer. And hence, you know, it's just it's there and it's it's, it's easy to use. Um but like like Simon, I've also used Firefox. Um, I, I used to use a separate browser for um, logging into work when I was working, um, just so that I had like a completely different system from what I was using. Um, and I think I used Firefox for that. That's a logging into a virtual machine at the other end. Um, and I have used, I have tried Chrome, but in the end, I tend to come back to Safari because it's built in and it works. And I was quite surprised. This is something that really surprised me. I was quite surprised how snappy it has become with the M1 Max. It, it's, there's definitely a little bit more pace to it. Um, and I wouldn't have thought the M1 Max would make any difference. But there you go. I, I certainly have observed that it just seems to load pages quicker. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Safari user myself, but I have to say that I'm not as wedded to one thing or not. I, I have Chrome. The way I've been doing it is I use Safari for personal things and then Chrome for business things. 
um, because I figured business-wise, I don't, I'm not sure I shouldn't be worried about being tracked, but I'm not as concerned about being tracked because that's pretty much all I do in that browser. But I have Opera installed. I have Brave installed. Um, once in a while, I have DuckDuckGo installed. Um, once in a while, there will be something comes up that, especially for testing something, or I've, I've, I'm working on a website over here, and I absolutely want to be sure that there are no cookies or anything loaded into the browser you know, that, that are going to interfere with what – what I'm seeing versus what one of you two might see if you were coming to that that site for the first time. So that's when I'll pop open one of those others and say, okay, now let's look at it and see how it looks from a fresh perspective. Um, I, I used Opera for a while because it had a built-in VPN. Um, then that went away. I don't think that's back, but I'm not not completely sure without paying for it anyway. But I, I, I'm with you, Nick. You know, I I, I knew we would have a, a lot of a lot of different perspectives, but the security perspective, the the developer perspective, uh, Jeff and Jay both came up with some extensions or add-ons or depending on which browser you're talking about, what they call them, um, that it's like, wow, I wish I'd had that or I'm putting that in my toolkit for next time uh, because I didn't know I could do that. And yeah, great. I mean, that that's kind of the problem with not just with browsers, but with everything. There's so many great tools out there, but they're very specific tools. It's like going to the hardware store and seeing, you know, 75 screwdrivers. Well, yeah, they're all screwdrivers, but which one is the one that I need? Do I need a Torx or do I need, you know, a Phillips or a blade or do I need, you know, I forget I, what some there's so, there are actually so many of those in the electronics world. So you really have to do just a little research and talk to people like we were doing to find out what's out there, and it might apply to you. And sometimes some of the add-ons, I feel, are are something that might drive you towards a particular browser. So a little while ago, I found – I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the software now – there's a there's a, a a company that does data driven apps and you can use Excel or um, Google Sheets or as your back end and then you design it on their web page and um, if you go beyond a certain point you have to pay but while it's in test mode uh, so if you're only right if you only want this app to be used by a handful of people you can do it for free and you just log them on as as a test users um, and I found that really useful but that only worked through Chrome. It was a Chrome plugin uh, that meant that I used Chrome for a while while I was doing that. So I think sometimes plugins can push you one way or another to something you really find useful. And I think that's one thing that Chrome, you know, because Chrome is dominant now, um, that is one thing I think that draws people to Chrome. That the, you know, the wide number of add-ons and tools and extensions that you can you can pick from. And to be fair, um, you know, I might be a bit down on Chrome, but um, I can't remember who it was on on Chuck's show, but somebody said, you know, if you're ready, if you're happy to be in the the Google ecosphere and you're using Google Drive and you know Google um, Docs and various other Google provided tools, then you've got nothing to lose because you know you're already logged in. Google's already getting all that information, so it doesn't make any difference. And you get a lot of 
benefits as long as you're happy with the, with the deal. If you're using Chrome and you're signed into your Google account, there's a, you know, in the same way as Safari has hooks into iOS and the Mac OS that allows it to do things that some other browsers maybe can't, um, as long as you're happy being in the Google ecosphere and with what that entails, then there's a lot of benefits to using Chrome. So, I mean, you know, I can't say that my personal choice that I am not keen on Chrome necessarily reflects on anybody else. It's all a personal choice. And um, if if a browser works for you, whatever it is, I mean, I know Brave is, is very popular amongst, you know, people who are more, uh, more concerned about privacy or not being tracked. And why not? You know, there, there's, I think there's this is why uh, the browser... Um, what will I call it? You know, the browser landscape is is not and never really has been confined to two or three browsers because there are always people out there who can take the engine from Firefox, from Chrome, from whatever, WebKit, and go off and build a, you know, a bit like Lino, uh, like Linux distros. There are people who will go away and build a, a browser with specific features because that's what they want for themselves. And that's the that's the classic kind of developer, how, how things arrive, you know, on the scene. Because some developer will go, well, I really like this browser, but it just needs these special features that I want. And so they go away and, you know, build a specialist browser in the same way as there, you know, there are people who build um, versions of Linux, which are aimed either specifically at developers or specifically at security or, you know, specifically at multimedia playback, all, all sorts of things. And that, that's good. That's yeah. That's a good thing for everybody, I think, you know. Uh, that that service I was um, talking about is called AppSheet, if anyone's interested. So it's, right. it, it's a way of building no-code, data-driven apps. Um, so I, I was actually doing um, rotors. I wanted to do rotors for the church so that we could have them all in one place. And, um, and, and that's what I used it for. So uh, worth looking up if you're interested in doing that kind of thing. I'll put it in the show notes. I- the one thing that I agree with you both, I, I think it's great that the browsers can do different things for the user. What makes me crazy is when a website says you have to use this browser to access our site. <laughs> yes. Now, now, that that for a while, the, the financial services companies are running rampant that you can only use Internet Explorer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you call them up and say, excuse me, I've got a Mac. And well, but you have to use Internet Explorer, but I've got a Mac. And there is no Internet Explorer on Mac. And then they just, you know, there's silence on the other end of the phone. I mean, I, I have changed banks because of that. I've I've also changed banks punitively because of that, because they refuse to provide any other support. And so you're telling me that you've built something that, you know, I have to only use one browser. And now I think, what was it, September of 22, they are, according to, the word, the Microsoft, they are finally going to put a, a stake in this heart, which, yep. you know, that would be, that would be great. Um, but there's still, there's still companies out there that, um, and I don't, and my, I'm, I'm actually, I'm using one. I don't mind calling their name because, you know, it's public knowledge. Um, there's a company called Riverside that is a podcasting, a podcast recording company. And it does a very nice job of recording audio and video podcasts, double enders like, you know, the, that way. But you have to use Chrome. In fact, Jeff Gamut was on, and he decided he'd try it because he thought Shure would work with um, uh, uh, Microsoft Edge as a Chromium browser. Nope, did not. Had You have to use Chrome. So there's something in what they're doing that requires Chrome. Now, 
I don't since it's not a financial services company, I don't have a problem with it. But in general, it kind of bugs me that anybody yeah. is building anything that requires that. I mean, I I would almost rather you please build me a, just take take a, a version of Chrome and build an app and say this is the app that you have to use to access the service. But you're forcing me into that Chrome architecture, whether I want to be or not, and that just doesn't feel as good as I would like it to. Now, it's also a very risky thing to do, isn't it? I mean, if you're predicating any kind of business upon having a browser that will always work with what you want it to work with, uh, especially if you're using some kind of special tweak, um, it's very risky indeed, just in case they take it away or change it. And I mean, we know that Google sometimes takes things away, don't they? <laughs> They, they well, and it makes you wonder what, what what else is going on behind the scenes that, uh, you know, that, okay, so Chrome will let you do this. It'll let you grab my camera. It'll let you grab my audio. You deliver it in, you're delivering it in 1080p, or actually I think that that service goes up to 4K. Um, so it, it will capture a 4K camera. And that's that's all great. That's wonderful. But why? What else is it doing? How is it working around things that you couldn't work around or work with in mm. Safari, Firefox, uh, DuckDuckGo? You know, yeah. just makes you wonder. Just makes rings you alarm bells, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> it also yeah. kind of reminds you in a very unpleasant way of the the kind of IE six through to eight days where you would go to endless sites which were only works correctly in internet explorer because microsoft had built a whole load of non-web standard hooks um and as Although, you say I, mean, it, I, don't a... see, I don't see that very often now i mean certainly in days gone by oh yeah i'm not saying now you see it quite regularly but... there was a period when you know internet explorer probably had 90 percent of the browser market yeah. and and of course at that time it really was dominant because it was the default browser on on the Mac as well. Um, before you know, before Safari came along, and even when you know er, the early versions of Safari came along, I think a lot of people still preferred to use Internet Explorer even on the Mac. Um, but as you say, building something around something that relies on a monoculture is always dangerous because things yeah. can change, and in technology, things often change. I mean, just because. Uh, Chrome built on Chromium is how it is now. As you say, there's nothing. Google can change the guts of the engine at any time they like, and it wouldn't be unknown for them to do such a thing. Yeah. Well, and think about what Apple does with just with their system software. That developers, whether you agree with it or not, to keep the platform advancing and keeping up with the competition and exceeding the competition. Apple has to make certain changes, and that means that certain things break. And developers, I know, get really upset when things break. But on the other hand, I, I, I don't. If I tell this to to people all the time, and they they complain about this, it's like, okay, if get yourself a stable system and then freeze it, and and don't connect to the internet, and just use your system. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that system does what you want it want it to do. Then great until you, until that particular Mac dies, the power supply goes, or the motherboard needs replaced, you will be fine. But if you're going to keep up, then you have to keep up, and that means unfortunately buying new machines, sometimes replacing that key piece of software that you've been using all those years with something else that you're not quite as comfortable with, but you're moving forward. I, I mean, 
I, system seven, system eight, yeah, they were fine systems in their day, but yeah. obviously they wouldn't hold a candle to what we have now. Yeah. Well, that, uh, I was like fascinated say, by. No, go on, Nick. Go on, Nick. I was, I was gonna, just going to say, I was fascinated by your discussion on um, bookmarks uh, because uh, <laughs> there seemed to be an awful lot of discussion about all sorts of things I'd never heard of. And um, I, I'm afraid I'm very, um, like a lot of people, I suppose, I'm quite ill disciplined about bookmarks. And if I need to bookmark something, which I don't very often, then I will do it. But like a lot of people, I mean, on my iPad, I probably have far too many tabs open because it's too much fuss to close them so they just stay open and like a lot of people i end up with you know 30 or 40 and every now and then i suddenly think oh, i've had enough of these silly little things and <laughs> keep clicking on the little cross buttons to get rid of them all um, you know if you, you do know if you but, hold but down the if you hold down the close tab button for uh yeah. it, it brings up close all tabs oh yeah probably but i probably forgot that <laughs> <laughs> as we do as you yeah, do but it is all but, or nothing um, yeah it was fascinating to listen to people talk about bookmarks in a way because I've never been organised about it, and um, I'm afraid things just end up going in favourites all the while <laughs> because I can't be bothered to do anything else. Nick, you're right. I, I'm, that was sort of a throwaway question. I figured that would be you know five minutes of discussion and that'd be it. And I had no idea that, um, and, and especially Brittany, if I remember remember correctly, was once said, you know. I, What's a bookmark almost? I don't use, yes. use them. Jeff was the same way. And I. they made me turn around and look in the mirror and realize that, yeah, I don't use bookmarks the way I did originally, but I still yeah. use them. I just use them sort of for different purposes or in a different way than just a bookmark. Um, but I still find them useful. In fact, just uh, a couple of days ago, there's there's some something that I do like once a year. And you know, so I went and looked at the bookmark and found it. Um, but I'm not, you know, what was the name of that company or what was the name of that hotel or what was the name of that site? You know, well, I, if I throw it in a bookmark, I've got it. Um, but yeah, it th that that blew me away because both Brittany and Jeff seem kind of surprised. Like, who uses bookmarks anymore? Yeah, I think I think the fact is, search engines are so good these days, and they're so good at finding what you want them to find. Uh, that, that, that there's almost no need for them. As long as you can remember. I mean, <laughs> the problem is when you get to my age, it's trying to remember the name of the thing that is that you want to look up. <laughs> um, uh, and in which case, bookmarks are very useful then. But uh, I can understand why some people just might not use not, them at all. Not bother. I mean, yeah. I, I do have a favourites bar and it's got quite a few things in it just for speed. But the main thing I do with the favourites bar is um, the thing that some of the other guests mentioned, which was um, creating folders in the favourites bar. So for collections right. of bookmarks. So, for example, um, I created a folder and put bookmarks in there to places where you can get copyright-free images. So places like Unsplash and Pixhere and... Um, public domain photos and, and all that sort of thing. Because when you want to search for an image and you don't want to chore through, you know, Google or DuckDuckGo um, images, trying to pick out and then find, you know, find one you think it's perfect and then you go and you link to it and then, oh, hang on, that's got, you know, that actually belongs to 
I don't know. It, you know, it belongs to a copyright site who are going to want a fee if you use it or, um, you know, actually, ultimately, whatever site it's on, it actually ultimately belongs to Getty Images or something. So, and and if you, this is one thing where you, it is handy to, to bookmark things because if you put in uh, royalty-free pictures, you will get an awful lot of sites and an awful lot of hits in your search. But they're not free, free images. They're royalty free as long as you go. And some of them are cheap. They're, you know, 99 cents or a dollar 50 or something. But when I search, I don't want to be taken to, you know, um, Alame and Dreams Time and, and all the other I stop because that's just wasting my time. So I made a bookmark of, yeah. of sites that will provide you with genuinely free images and graphics. And I did the same thing for music for royalty free music because again you you will search and you'll get it's a bit like the windows world if you put in i don't know free photo editor for windows you'll get a lot of hits which say download for free but it's not it's yes. not free software at all <laughs> it's if one you, of my bugbears i must admit there are free trials <laughs> yeah on, but on the mac <laughs> and i i don't know if this is just a mac thing or mac people thing but if you type for free photo editor a mac you'll get very very free you know very few download for freeze it will say this is free or there's yeah. a free tier you know there's a light version that's free or or whatever uh searching for free software on windows is a lot harder because you get all the free trials um and if you search for royalty free music or royalty free images you get much of the same you'll get a lot of royalty free but not free as in beer um so that's one of the things i do do because they're not things i go to all the time so like royalty free music so when i I did that search originally i would i chored through a lot of sites so the ones i found that actually had whether it was a free section and there was other stuff that was paid for or completely free or public domain i put those in a folder because six months later i'm not going to remember the name of half of those sites um yeah, that's, yeah i can understand that that's the main reason i use it and that's probably similar to what chuck's saying you know you bookmark a, a particular hotel or a particular service because if it's something you only use every six months it, it's easily forgotten you know if you go if somewhere yeah. you go regularly it doesn't really matter then Brittany's right you know if, as long as you know the name of it you type it in your search bar and you're away um so we don't use bookmarks in the way we used to that's for sure but the funny thing is that it, it made me look at the way i do a number of different things um I mean, I know people that that are are intense about organizing their iPhone or their iPad and putting the apps in the folders and the folders in the folders. And, you know, so I mean, you look at their home screen and they have, you know, folders in folders and they have basically they probably have about 120 apps on that home screen. If you count everything, it's in the folders. And I look at it and say, that's too much trouble. I, I basically organize almost nothing in folders because I just pull, you know, swipe down, type the first two or three letters of the, the uh, item, and it's there. Now, to Simon's point, I have to remember what the name is, and once in a while the name will escape me. But, you know, for the most part, I can, I can, I can do that. So that's sort of like the search engine thing about sites. Yeah. But at this, so it's, I mean, I, I'm, I've semi-organized in one way. I'm completely disorganized in another way, but they both, they both work. And I guess it's just the characteristics of the machine or, or the nature of the, the information that you're looking for. But this, the, the whole thing about how people use their machines, 
how they think about their machines, what tools they use are fascinate me. Uh, I because I've I've picked up plenty of tips from people that you know say, well, I I prefer this tool over here, or I like this tool, and for, not only is it a tool I've never heard of, it's it's in a category that I've never heard of. Um, it, a couple of years ago now, can't believe it's been that long, I guess pandemic time, but I was not even aware of mind mapping software. Now it's some of my favorite software to sit down and noodle out a project that, okay, and organize a project as opposed to going into, God help me, something like Word or, or um, Pages or even Excel um, or Spreadsheet and trying to figure out. It's, it's a completely freeform thing where things attach to something else, and if I don't like it, I can move it um, graphically. It just, it works. So yeah, I, I think the more of these conversations we have, the more we open up people's minds up to doing things a little bit different and a little bit better for them. What's right for me is right for me. It's not right for Nick and exactly. not right for Simon. You know? I mean, the, the, what I was going to say about the thing about folders and folders within folders and and so on um it also depends i think on how your how your memory works some people have a very graphical spatial kind of memory so they will remember something as go to screen three third folder down fourth app along look for the green one other people remember things by the names so you know and they've got no idea where they've put their actual app it's somewhere on their phone. Also, of course, it depends how many apps you have. I mean, you're talking about people with 120 apps on their phone. I doubt I've, on their home screen. I doubt I've got 120 apps in total on my phone because I I don't use that many. And I probably I could probably it, chuck away half of what I have got and not notice. Yeah, it's strange you should say that because the um, uh, I retired at the beginning of uh, last year, and um, the guy I used to work with was a lot younger than me. Uh, and we worked in com two completely different ways, a little bit like that, really. I was much of the um, okay. This is a this is to do with this particular topic. I'll put it in this folder. Uh, he was very much of a whenever I mentioned anything to him, he'd go straight to search, mm. uh, and he searched for everything, anything on his desktop. He would search for uh, rather than actually go and you know I might tell him where it is. He's not interested. He'll just search for it because that's the way that's the way he'd learn to do it. Uh, and like Chuck, I mean, I'm fascinated with the the fact that um, it just, in some ways, it shows how adaptable we are. That sometimes we try and make tools do things they were never designed for, just just because we don't want to use anything else. We know how to use this, so I'm just going to try and make it, mold it so that it will do what I want it to do. Oh, when in yeah. fact, there probably is a piece of software out there that will just do it so much more easily for you. I think that that's yeah. a classic. I mean, the number of things in my trade, you know, where people have wrangled word to do incredible things. But mm -hmm. you think the effort you must have expended on doing that. But I guess if you're, you know, if you're a black belt at word and you can make it do that, yeah. then why that's not? Right. If that's easy, what you, it's, you know, it's about using what you know, isn't it? Rather um, and having no inquisitiveness in in many ways for anything else. Uh, if you're in a business, you'll use what you've got, won't you? Because that's that's yeah, the way that's, things work. That's but, how it works. But yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I had um, we used to do a lot of local football programs for local football teams, and um, the uh, the town football team. Yeah, which, you know, they're in one of the, I don't know, you know, way out of the main leagues, just local league football team. And the guy used to send me their um, their program and he'd send it as a PDF. And it was, it was a lovely 
you know, well produced, looked nice. And I, one time when I spoke to him, I said, "What, what do you put this together in? You know, are you putting this together in in design or or you know, publisher or or, or what?" And he said, "Oh no, I do it in Word." And he'd done things. <laughs> I was like, "I don't know how you did that. I really don't. You should get a job. You know, you should get a job as a Word consultant, mate, because you can make Word do things that most people would." cry even you know i mean a lot of people cry yeah. just trying to put some text in a colored box in word and make the pictures go where they want <laughs> no never mind That's building right. a whole magazine never mind. i can remember spending sort of three hours trying to get a table to work properly <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 something that drives me crazy and, and this is a great example of it um you know, you're trying to do desktop publishing in a word processor and you know for heaven's sake You've, and that's why I think I love Pages so much because it can be both at the same time. I mean, yeah. it, it, Apple didn't really need to build a word processor and a separate uh, desktop publishing program. But I'm, oh man, I'm, I'm with you guys. You know, I see people do things in Word, and it's like, and and it looks like it's done in Word because it's so choppy and cut up, and maybe. Uh, uh, Simon, I'm going to borrow your phrase there because I think that's a great phrase, a black belt in Word. If, if you're a black belt in Word, maybe you can do it. Maybe you know how to do it. These people clearly don't. And so, you know, for God's sakes, please go and buy the right tool for the job. Yeah, get, get a tool that makes your life the, easy. Get yeah, a, we're back to the screwdriver thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, another thing that um, um, you'd, no one mentioned, um, I don't think, uh, and something I use occasionally, in fact, I'm using it now, um, not at this very moment, but I've got, I can see it on my desktop, is um, something like Fluid, where you can create a, a shortcut um, as an app on your desktop. Um, so I find that quite useful rather than, if, it, if it's something I'm going to go to very regularly, rather than bookmarking it, I'll create a Fluid app and put it on my desktop. Um, and all it is, is that it's a shortcut to to that uh, um, to that page yeah within a window of its own yeah yeah it's a, like a little web wrapper isn't it and you, you, you create it is. a sort of mini and I, f I find that really useful for if particularly if i'm going to visit something every day or do you know what i mean somewhere i need to go regularly uh, rather than having a bookmark or trying to remember what it's called i'll, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll use the fluid up yeah I've, I've, I've played with fluid the only concern i have with fluid because my understanding of Fluid was that it created its own little mini browser for just that website. Yeah. And if that's the case, that's great right up to the point that the the browser it's based on or the, I guess, the, the, the way it was created doesn't support what that website would do or oh, doesn't support absolutely. the security. Yeah. So if I created a Fluid, um, I'm, I'm not sure what you call them, Nick, um, but if I created a Fluid icon that is supposed to go to my bank well that's great you know then okay everything is segregated off within that fluid app and i don't have to worry about you know tracking or anything that because that just goes to that and that one alone but if the security isn't kept up within the fluid architecture now i now i start to worry and so yeah. those things that i would have been fluid would have been ideal for me once and again if that understanding is wrong please correct me but that's where i started to say you know the bookmark is a better a better solution or just you know learn just go to the website and log in yeah i don't think i'd ever use it for going to a secure site where i needed to be sure that things were uh, things were absolutely safe like a bank um, i wouldn't use it for that but uh, for sort of general logins to a website that, that basically hasn't got much information about me i'm more than happy to use it so i don't know at the moment it's a diet app i'm trying to lose weight 
<laughs> so, well, they're, they're, you know, that's good. Uh, and good. apparently, you lose more weight if you record what you eat. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah, that I've, I've heard that. It's you know, um, because you become aware of what you actually eat, what not not what you think you ate or what you recall you ate. You know, that's right. The, that's right. It's the yeah. two chocolate biscuits you had with your tea at eleven o'clock that tend to get missed <laughs> off, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, it is. You know, this is this is true. You know, dietitians will tell you that. But anyway, um, I'm going to move on a bit. I'm going to move on a bit. I'm going to move on to the to the add-ons a bit. Um, and then some really interesting add-ons were, you know, brought to the uh brought to the fore. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of um mention a few. Um, I don't use many extensions. I don't. Um, I have an ad blocker, which is um uh, AdBlock Pro, which is um you know, free. Uh, oh, AdBlock Plus. Sorry, not AdBlock Pro. It's called AdBlock Plus. I think there's another one called AdBlock Pro, which is slightly confusing. Um, I have uh, my Bitwarden. Um, I was using LastPass, but uh, when they changed the rules, um, I thought I'd give Bitwarden a go and see how that pans out. Um, so that, you know, I mean, I pretty much think these days, if you're using a browser, you should have a you should have a password manager and you should, um, you know, you need one that's got an extension so that you don't have to faff about because if you have to keep kind of stopping what you're doing to go to a separate app, um, you know, or pull it down out of the menu bar or something, that's that's annoying. Um, I use um, I use Ghostery as well, which is um, anti-tracking, of course. The Ghostery Lite for Safari, um, which, is, which is good. Um, I've got... I mentioned this on the show. There's a, an extension you can get called Google Analytics, Analytics Opt-Out Browser Add-on, which is actually provided by Google themselves, uh, strangely enough. Um, I don't know if they're compelled. They don't make a big thing out of it. You have to know and go look for it. But what that does is effectively block Google Analytics on any site you go to. Um, effectively, it, it's Google putting up a don't put this in the analytics, which... You know, if you if you care about that sort of thing, it's um, handy. Um, and then I have I've got one called Hush, which is, is supposed to help block um, those sort of uh, cookie pop ups. And do you want to sign up for our newsletter pop ups and, and all those? I'm not sure how effective it is because I still seem to get an awful lot of them, but um, it's supposed to help. I certainly get less of the do you want to join our newsletter, you know, um, before you can actually get to the material. doesn't seem to block all of them. But the um, the article we mentioned in the last show, Nick, which was the one from Wired, um, which has a whole load, um, and I'll put that in the show notes again, which is the, uh, it's got a selection of um, add-ons and tools which are supposed to help block those annoying um do you want to accept cookies and do you want our newsletter and do you want to join the mailing list and all those, um, which which are quite helpful. Um, not that I'm using any of them. I'm using Hush. I might try out some of the others, but they're not all available for Safari. Uh, some of them are Chrome, you know, Chromium-based only. Some are Chrome and Firefox. Um, and other than that, I have, um, I have my simple login um, extension, which is, of course, to, you know, the uh, email aliasing service, which I which I, uh, um, you know, promote quite a lot, which is sim- simple login. And uh, with the extension, you can simply, um, you pop that open and it will show you, um, it will show you the aliases you've already got active so that you can simply copy and paste those from there in, into the browser. Um, 
and also you can create one from there on the fly. You just create a new alias. If you go to somewhere and you don't want to use um, either your own, you know, one of your own email addresses or one of the aliases you've already got, you can create one on the fly there and um, just enter that, which is a, you know, I really think that's a great tool, especially, you know, the level of service that Sun offers for free is, is amazing. There are some paid tiers if you want extra things like unlimited aliases and um, uh, your own domain, custom domains and things, but that's a that's one. And um, I think that's about it. I think that's about my, my full... Um, complement of extensions yep yeah, that's I, only it. Have, I only have three one password like you hush like you and um downy which is a youtube video downloader yep i can see why that's the only ones useful. i've got yeah um and on um, okay so here, yeah go on yeah here here we go again i did not know about simple logon i'm just looking at i i, I just looked it up this looks like uh this is very interesting um, yeah, i'm gonna a, have to check this out that's a brilliant service yeah. and um yeah, yeah. Now you it, gave me homework, Simon. <laughs> I, I, I mean, Sun came on the show and um, talked all about it, um, and I'm probably going to get him back on again because he's, you know, doing some more things now. He's got, um, he's added, have I been pwned support? So even if your alias gets pwned, you will get an uh, get an alert. So you can just trash that alias. Um, and you get 15 for free. You can have 15 um, live aliases for free. Um, if you need more than that, you you know you have to give him a few pennies. Um, I must have ne- I've never really used it. I signed up for it, but I've, um, I use I'm, it all I'm not the time. disciplined enough to use it. <laughs> I use it all the time these days. Um, I obviously because I'm looking for work. I created an alias, you know, which is actually sjparnell dot something at simplelogin dot co because all my other email addresses tend to have weird and wonderful titles. So yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's an alias which I can use for things so it's actually just my name. Um and that's not for throwaway purposes. That's just so I have one that that's not, you know, weirdly teenage a weirdly a really weirdly teenage, you know, pseudonym kind of uh, address. But um the other two I, I use are thirty three mail dot com and uh sudo mail. Um Although sudo mail's not really um, an email aliasing service as so much as a um, a service in its, in and of its own right, where you you create these fake email addresses and the the emails come to your sudo mail app, but that only works on iOS. So, um, but that's that's right. handy. That has its that has its uses. But my favourite of them is Simple Login because that's just an amazing service. I really love it. Interesting, interesting. I I run a very clean system. The the only thing that I have consistent Consistently installed as one password um, on on all my browsers. Then beyond that, I tend not to start stacking things in unless there's a specific need at a specific time, just because it simplifies my life. I don't have to worry about I can't log into this website or something else. Something appears broken, and so you have to go through the troubleshooting of turning things on and off. Um, I, I, you know, now to be fair. Simon, you may have given me one because this looks this looks like super useful here. I I have to I'm going to check into that, but I I took away a bunch of the uh, those from the uh, the browser war shows that I will keep kind of in the hopper and keep them turned off until I need them. But mm. yeah, they they do they get, they would give me capabilities that I would have to jump through a lot of hoops to get otherwise. So mm. I, I like that. I, and, but the funny thing is that you mentioned Hush. 
Um, I just came across Hush a few weeks ago, and it's it's kind of on my list of things to try because it looked very interesting, got very good reviews from what I could see, and it's one of those things like yeah okay that's that's one that I have to you know just one afternoon for a couple hours I need to write off some time and play with it and see how stable it is or how unstable it is, um, but so yeah again you give me homework. <laughs> I mean, as I say, I installed it, and I I think I saw a reduction. It doesn't get rid of everything, but, you know, well, uh, you don't example, know what I've you just, don't see. I've I literally just gone on to the Expedia website, and I've got no messages saying you need to accept cookies or anything like that. So it, it, it does work. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> that sounds interesting. So it gets around the uh, the GD. Uh, I can't. Sure, GD, I can't... yes. GDPR. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, GDPR. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. It's uh, it's one of those it's one of those weird things, isn't it? There was a big outcry saying, you know, we want more transparency. We want more transparency, and then they sort of gave it to us in what perhaps the worst way they possibly could. <laughs> and now we're saying we don't want it anymore. <laughs> well, the funny thing about transparency and security and all that is they nobody everybody wants it right up to the point that it inconveniences them. Yeah, and then absolutely. you know, and and I mean, I, I've th- that's just convenience and and security are just the opposite ends of the spectrum. It's just where are you going to get? Where do you fall on that uh, on that spectrum that you're comfortable with? Two factor authentication is a pain. Yes, you know, but it it helps. And so yes. you know, yes, it, it is. Just... It's, uh, it's it's very much of a. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Simon is more careful than I am, and uh, I'm quite happy to give away quite a lot of my personal information uh, <laughs> on the internet. Um, because I, I, I think I heard someone on your show say something along the lines of, uh, you know, I'm I'm not interesting enough for anyone to want to know about. <laughs> and uh, that's very much my opinion on things on the whole. I'm not about to give away my personal banking details, but uh, but at the same time, if they want to know what my dog's name when I was a child, they're, they're more than welcome to it. Cause well, cause I'm not going to use that as a password. No, I know. But the, 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 the trouble with those things is often it's not so much used as passwords, but often you will find those sort of questions crop up in security questions, don't they? Yes. You know, what was your, what was your oh, first I know car? That, I, know that and... Facebook, I know that Facebook does that a lot. A lot of these, my favourite cat cat name is whatever. What's yours? Uh, and mm. basically, as you say, you're giving away personal information. I never, I never entertain those. Even though I'm on Facebook, um, I just sort of ignore them judiciously. <laughs> it, it's too bad, too, because some of those things... Going back to when we all started and as things were evolving, those were fun little things, fun little memes that went through. And you did not realize that there was a nefarious aspect to them or could be. I'm not sure that every single one was gathering up information. But now we've all become uh, paranoid to one degree or another. You want to know. I open up a new app on my phone and can we want to access your contacts? Why? Why do you need to access my contacts? Uh, some some apps makes perfect sense. Others, it's like you know, I'm I'm sorry, but you're a cooking app. Why do you need my contacts? Exactly. <laughs> yes. no, exactly. I think it's I think it's indicative of how people really feel in that the number of people that have switched on or off uh, the tracking stuff. I mean, the fact that it's actually a very high number of people that are actually saying no, don't track me, no, don't track me, which proves that if they're asked, they'll say no. If they're not, they won't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- your comment though about you know you're not interesting enough. Um, 
because I felt that way for a long time. And then I started to come, to understand that, you know, the, the aggregate information, they don't need to know that it's me or you. Um, and this point has been made on the show a couple of times that they, they start to know enough about me that it doesn't matter if they know Chuck Joyner. It just knows that I am age X. I live in this geographic region. I have a, a bent for technology. I have a bent for very loud music. I like to play golf. I couldn't care less about basketball. I actively dislike baseball. <laughs> yeah. And and so pretty soon, okay, they know an awful lot about me. The only thing they may not know is my name, but they know everything yeah. else. And <laughs> what that's I, what where I can't it understand. disturbing. Yeah, what I can't understand, though, Chuck, and I think everyone will probably have experienced this, if this is the case, um, then when I buy, uh, I don't know, a pen, why do they offer me the same pen again? Why, why are they not trying to offer me other stationery? But, but that never happens. So either either the algorithms they're using are really rubbish or, or, or the people actually sort of applying the algorithms <laughs> don't know what they're doing. Because uh, I, I never seem to see, st- I, I definitely see stuff pop off that pop up that I've searched for, and I'll see them pop up. But it, it it will never be something like it. That's what I can never quite understand. Why are they not offering me things like that thing? Yeah, that. But 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 see, I think you've I think you've hit it. I I think you've hit it. I think that they don't know that that Nick bought this pen. They just know that Nick looked at this pen, and so they will show you that pen again, hoping that you will buy it or rebuy it or buy it for somebody else. Oh, but, I suppose so. Yeah. You know that, or they'll show you something around it. I mean, inevitably, I'll, I'll, it doesn't matter what service it is, and and Facebook is is especially bad at this. I'll, I will click on something somewhere just as a casual look, and the next thing I know, there's an ad in my Facebook feed yeah. for yeah. that Facebook service. Particular, I mean, you can see how it all fits together, can't you? Quite easily. Sure. So it, I'd like to think that it means that the, the banking and the purchasing aspects of things are still secure to the point that they don't know that I bought it, but they just know that I looked at it. So they want to make sure that I, I buy it. At some point, you know, the, the more times they tell me, to buy it, I, sooner or later I will buy it. So yeah. I, I, it's almost like advert. Uh, it's almost like TV advertising. Nobody runs this, just the ad once. You know, it's like the ad for the new the new car that you love. You know, it's it's well and well American football. I don't know how it is in in your areas, but American football. I mean, they will sometimes run the same ad for the same product four and five times during that game. Yeah. Well, well why? I got the messages first time, and but. It's that reinforcement that, yeah, that that looks pretty good. Yeah, you know, by by the third or fourth time, uh, it's it's the snake, isn't it, in Robin Hood? Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, I that's my opinion. I don't know if that's an accurate one, but that's my guess. That the more times they can reinforce that you you like this or you are interested in this the more likely you are to buy it. In the yeah, end, you're probably right. You know, it's, it's just, just irritating when you have already bought it. <laughs> it it's, like, it's like brand awareness, isn't it? You know, yes. Every, Coca-Cola are not advertising Coca-Cola to put their name out there. There's probably nobody on the planet who's not heard of Coca-Cola. The, the thing with Coca-Cola advertising is, and all, a lot of other big brand advertising, is simply to drive that name deep into your brain so that when you, you know, when you go into a supermarket on a summer's day and think, oh, I'm thirsty, you know, I'll buy a drink, that Coke will be the, you know, the name that comes to the top of your mind. And you'll just go, 
you know, can I get a Coke, please? Um, we don't all yeah. fall for that. Some of us, because we particularly would think, oh, well, like, you know, I, I want a pineapple crush or I want dandelion and burdock. But for a lot of people and a lot of the time, even then, even I admit that, you know, sometimes if somebody says, what do you want to drink? And we've got this, this or this, you know, a soft drink, you'll just go Coke just out of habit. I don't even yeah. like Coke very much. But Oh, well, I think you only have to, you only have to look at the subconscious of people who, um, lived during the 70s and 80s you talk about adverts and they can talk for hours about them because those are the things that stick in their heads oh yeah uh, and it's amazing when you actually start chatting to people at the same age and they all remember the same thing oh yeah but you know advertising works you know <laughs> sure it's frothy exactly. man you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know I can stand it with Bandit. I mean, they're all driven deep into our subconscious, even brands that are long gone, you know. I mean, yeah, I can still true. remember the the Bandit adverts. You'd never get away with it now with a terribly racist, stereotypical Mexican Bandit popping up going, you can stand it with Bandit. You know? <laughs> They'd never get past the censors. But, um, you know, burned into my subconscious. Yeah. And as you yeah. say, you know, classic ads. I mean, if you if you care to search such things, there are whole forums of people talking about classic adverts and how successful they were or weren't. The famous one, of course, being Leonard Rossiter and the uh, Joan Collins, where actually everybody remembers that. The number of people who can actually remember what it was advertising is surprisingly small. Yeah, uh, for our uh, for our uh, American listeners, this was a particularly British. <laughs> oh yes, it was a very very British advert. <laughs> it was a particularly British set of adverts. But, but uh, yes. if you if you were to fo- look for it on uh, YouTube, yeah, Leonard, Leonard Rossiter and Joan Collins advert. They used to have this thing, yeah. and she always ended up getting the drink chucked over her. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yes, there was a great one, Chuck, where they were both on an airline, and uh, and she'd got the drink, and and he talks to her for a second or two. And he says, uh, he says uh, something about there, there, dear. And he, he taps the, the the arm of the of the, of the chair, and it flings backwards, and her and... drink goes up in the air. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, uh, "Getting you, getting your head down, dear. That's a good idea." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That was all very yeah, very uh, classic uh, classics mm. of of the thing. But unfortunately, nobody remembers the brand. Everybody remembers the ads oh. and not the brand. It's <laughs> weird, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, anyway, Chuck, it was a really interesting listen. I mean, I hadn't heard them before until Simon said it might be a good idea if you listen to these. And I'm glad <laughs> that did because they were really interesting to hear other people's perspectives on what browsers they used and what plugins they used. And as I say, particularly the bookmarks thing, I found fascinating. Yeah. I, again, that, that one, that was my biggest surprise of the whole show. Uh, with, with the reaction, especially with Kelly and Britain, or excuse me, um, Jeff and Brittany. Um, yes. you know, so it, it, it made me step back and think a little bit and made me realize how much I've changed. I mean, if you, if you'd asked me about bookmarks, I'd have said, well, of course I use bookmarks. Who doesn't? I discovered I'm, I'm using them in a different way for different reasons than I did before. Yeah. Um, and, and with the adoption of RSS, I mean, I, I distinctly remember, you know, okay, every morning I had like 10 websites I'd want to open and look at, read the headlines. Well, now you don't do that anymore. You just open your RSS browser and whatever it happens to be, and you get all that information and more in a much in a much more attractive uh, format. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's we're all changing. We just don't know it. 
Yeah, that's true, isn't it? We, <laughs> right. did, we, we don't, you don't realise the change unless you step back kind of 10 years and think, wow, how, you know, it's just like the OS, you know. Um, it often don't realise how many things that we now take for granted unless you go, you know, for some reason onto an, a much older Mac and, oh, well, it doesn't do that, you know, can't have that, doesn't support this. Um, because yeah, true. Let me, let me ask you guys a question um, because this goes back to part of, part of the conversation earlier. With your iOS home screens, uh, whether you are primarily an iPad or an iPhone user, do you find those to be pretty much static, that you get them the way you think you want them and then that's it? Or are they a bit more fluid that things move in and out? No, mine's pretty yeah, static. Mine tend to, mine, yeah, mine's static as well, pretty much. Hmm. Um, okay. So I, I, I do add new apps from time to time, and sometimes an app will get moved onto the home screen because I think it's so useful. Don't you think it's one of, it's one of the things I think is fantastic about um, the modern world, and particularly apps on phones and things? It's just, isn't it exciting when you find something that does something that you thought, wow, I didn't, I wouldn't have realised that that could be done. Um, I tell you, the one that springs to my mind most is an app um, that takes PDFs of music and turns them into music. So it, it actually plays the PDF and you can actually get it to play tracks. So if you've got like four, uh, say it's a choral work and you've got four parts, you can actually get it to play those individual tracks and you can save them out as, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a music file format and I've gone blank. AIFF? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you can save them out as AIFF. I can't say that. AIFF. Um, and uh, which is really useful for, for choirs. If you sing in the choir and you want to you want to be able to hear what that sounds like, if you're, if you're not as experienced in music as I am, where I can hear it in my head anyway, being able to hear what that sounds like is really important. And if all you've been given is a PDF, I mean, we're not going back that many years when you would have needed a really powerful computer to do that. Now my iPhone can do it. I yeah. just find yeah, that's, astounding. That, I think that's something we tend to forget as well, that some of the things we know, I mean... People frequently now talk about, you know, editing video in LumaFusion or editing their um, sound using, um, oh, what's it, the Wooji Juice one. Um, I've got blank. I don't know. Um, um, Ka- Carl I uses I, it, but I think I know which one you mean, but I can't say it either. So. No. Sorry. Um, that's okay. But, you know, people are recording stuff like this on their iPad, and then the minute they're finished, you know, they're they're editing the, the sound on their iPad and outputting it, and the job's done. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, from Wooji Juice. Can't think of the name. Let me have a quick search. I know exactly what you're saying, because Carl is, mentions it quite often, doesn't he? Is yeah. it Ferrite? Uh, yes, it is. Of course it's Ferrite. Ferrite, yeah. yeah. Ferrite, okay, yeah. Um, well, think what we're doing here now. I'm, yes. I'm I'm sitting in Pennsylvania in the United States. Um, you're both in, am I correct? You're both in yep. the UK? Yeah, yes. we're both in the UK. Yeah. Um, and we're chatting real time. We're, I know the listeners can't see us, but we're seeing each other. And so we're taking those visual cues along with that. And, you know, if it if it were to break down, we'd be complaining about it instead of recognizing that this is a small miracle. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it seems like a long time ago now, but in real terms, it's not that long. When Skype first came along, I mean, it was, it was, you know, like a wonder because before then, you know, we had all those little silos, as we said before, you know, AIM and Yahoo Chat and MSN and Lord knows what else. And then Skype came along and yeah. because it made it really easy, 
rather than you know you could get well, uh, video once we got past, from the Ojaba once we, services. Once we got but... past one and a half to two second delays and things. Yeah, <laughs> when it was very young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But th- but you think about that tr- transcontinental communication and we're complaining about uh, you know a second a half second away. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with us? And all for free. <laughs> You know, That's we are true. living in the future. Yeah. And let's face it, you, you know, you can call people on your Dick Tracy watch now. You know, things that were <clears throat> blatantly pure science fiction. And uh, like when we had um, David Acklam on the show about, you know, about GPS. As he said, when they developed GPS, he, there's a photo on the on the show, the, the show title, where he's got this sort of 60-pound backpack with a huge aerial sticking out of it. And that was, you know, laughingly dubbed the man portal GPS. And when he retired from the project, they gave him, a, 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 as a kind of a joke, a Casio watch with a radio aerial stuck on it saying, you know, uh, G- GPS, uh, you know, uh, 2020 or something. And he said, now it's a, like, that's true. And, uh, yes. you know, we spent, I don't know, half a million dollars building the GPS, you know, uh, rig. And now the GPS chip that goes in your watch costs like 90 cents. Yeah. yeah. You wonder a bit where it will be in another 30 to 50 years. Oh, yeah. You know, what the capabilities will be. Unbelievable. Because yeah. I'd like it, it's all new, really. What are we talking? 30 years? There's nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know yeah. things will possibly slow down. It's a bit like the development of aircraft, isn't it? You know, from the Wright brothers to the end of the Second World War wasn't that long. But the change in flight technology was unbelievable. Yeah. I think um, this is this is a prediction from me. <laughs> <laughs> I think battery technology is going to be the big change yeah. in the next 10 years. I believe so as well. It's all, and I've, we've said it before, haven't we? Eventually, eventually there's going to be a breakthrough. There's so much attention on it. Eventually there will be a breakthrough that makes a really big difference. Yeah. And then, and then we literally will be able to carry around computers that need, you know, almost no battery. Mm. It, it'll be a remarkable thing to see. Yeah. Or a breakthrough in, in some of the solar technology that yeah. makes it much more, so much more efficient. Maybe that, so. Uh, I, I have a keyboard over here. Uh, yeah, I, th- I had thought I had right. It's Logitech that I got, and it's a it's one of the th- three Bluetooth connections, so I can have it access my Mac, my iPhone, or my iPad just by the switch, and it has a set of solar panels across the top. Now oh. I'm I'm in my office. The, the 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 curtains are open part of the day, but it gets more than enough power from just those inefficient solar panels of of five or six years ago. And it was not an expensive keyboard. So don't don't misunderstand. These were not great solar panels. No. Um, but you know, it now again, low power device, but it just goes to show you that yeah, that's more than good enough for that. And the panels we have today are are much more efficient. So how much more efficient will they will they be in um in a few years? Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Right. Well, I think we've been going fair time, chaps. So uh, I expect Chuck's got other things to do. Thank you for giving us your time, Chuck. Simon, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. No problem. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. And no doubt we'll have you on again, I'm sure. But um, for now, I think we'll we'll do the wrap up. So, uh, Chuck, do you want to tell tell people where they can find you? Sure. Um, the best place is macvoices.com. That's where sooner or later all the shows uh, get posted. Um, and on Tuesday nights, if you're so inclined, depending on where you are, at 8 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S., um, 5 p.m. Pacific time in the U.S., 
you can do the math for the UK. I think I think depending on where you are, we're five hours different. Um, yep. You can tune in on uh, on YouTube.com slash TV where we do the live show. I'd love to have you in our chat room to throw comments, questions, or a, a, occasional just insults. Um, but it's all very good-natured <laughs> and a lot of fun. Um, and you can find me on the social media, most of the social medias, as at Chuck Joyner. Excellent. And, um, of course, you sometimes turn up on the British Tech Network. I've been known to show up there once or twice, yes. <laughs> Yes. Along with Jeff and uh, various other people. Yeah. So there we go. Um, Nick, where can people not find you? <laughs> As usual, they can not find me very often on Twitter. Um, uh, it's Pligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. But I always forget to check it. People have tried <laughs> to contact me on it now. They've failed completely because I haven't actually looked, looked at it. And it's one of those apps which I haven't actually got that pops up messages. So... <laughs> I suppose I ought to, really. Maybe, yeah, if you're not there on there much, go. maybe you should put on notifications. There we go. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. Uh, and uh, you can hear me occasionally on Bot Show, and I'm in the Slack room on occasion. And if you want to um, have a look at some videos that I may have edited, then they're over on, on uh, Sutton Park Circuit, which is uh, Sutton Park Circuit of the Methodist Church in, in the UK. Yeah, and the links for those are in the show notes. Um, I, of course, can be found on Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. All of our stuff is on EssentialApple.com. Um, I've put a note on the top of these show notes because at the moment, if you're listening in Apple Podcasts, it's quite likely that you won't get any of the links. You'll get the show notes, but not the links. So if you want to follow the links, you'll have to go over to EssentialApple.com where you can find all the show notes in full with live links. Um, other than that, of course, I'm in the Slack room quite a lot. There's a link to that in the show notes, which you can just tap and will take you straight in. No need for a special invitation. And uh, that's about it. Thank you to everybody for listening. As uh, as Guy would say, downloading and listening. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. And thank you for the people who retweet our stuff and, you know, help spread the word. So uh, I think that will do us. So uh, thank you once again, Chuck, for coming on and, uh, you know, sharing your time with us. And uh, I think we'll sign off. So uh, from all of us until next show, goodbye. Bye. This is where you say goodbye, Chuck. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> I thought the dog said it for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Typical. Typical. You just had to decide to bark just then. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, 
Bart Bouchot and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchot, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. again another time. Until then, goodbye. Thank you guys. I really enjoyed it. It's always uh, it's always fun to get together and, and talk about this stuff and get homework. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, homework's good sometimes, though, isn't it? When you learn about something. Well, well, the funny thing is, I'm, I'm looking at this, um, uh, the simple simple login. I, I love the idea of aliases, and I'll tell you just a real quick story. Um, but I just, I, I, I got a new sofa, and so I want to sell my old sofa. So I posted it in a Facebook group, um, you know, here locally, because, you know, sofa, just, it has to be local or forget it. Yeah. And so I got this, I got an email from this lady. And at first, it just was a little strange. You know, well, I I want you to mark the sofa as sold so nobody's competing for me. Okay, okay fine. I get that. Um, well, I can't come by, but I'm going to send movers to to pick up the sofa. I'll, you know, I like the pictures. I'll take it. Okay. I'm going to pay you $100 to hold it until the movers get there. Okay. This is starting to sound a little weird because that's $100 over asking. Then all of a sudden, well, I'm out of town with planning my daughter's wedding, and so we're sending you the check. Okay, fine. So I got the check. The check didn't quite look right, you know? Yeah. Just one of those. So then then I get the email. Oh, we sent you this, we sent you too much money. Would you please pay the movers and and with the balance of the check? And we'll take care of the rest and give the you know, they'll pick up the sofa. And it's like at this point now. No. I, I went to the bank, went to the police, and said, "Look, here's the situation." They said, "No, absolutely not." The the check, the, the bank said, "Look, I, we can't tell the check until we run it, but it doesn't even it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good." And unfortunately, now she has my real email address, my my and my real physical address. It would have been very nice to have something like this, at least to protect your email address. Mm. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that because I'd be, I, I need to sell some stuff online as well, and I hadn't really thought of that. So thank you, Chuck. That's given yeah, me you, an idea. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. one of those things that I I will write up eventually or tell the story somewhere online. But yeah, it, it just you know, unfortunately, that's the world we live in. You know, somebody wants to scam you some way, one way or another. 
Yes. Yes, I, I think we all get caught one uh, one time or another, uh, or, or at least nearly caught. <laughs> there have been a number yeah. of occasions when uh, there was one in particular where I, I definitely lost out on. I ended up sending the thing before they paid for it, and of course they dev- never paid for it. So, yes, I'm afraid so. It's it's easily done because by nature we are trusting people. Yes, yeah. uh, and they know that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. how it works. That's how social yeah. engineering works. I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. 